Our Heavenly Father, thank you that we can sing beautiful truths set to beautiful melodies. You're deserving of so much praise. You're so deserving that you have angels who surround your heavenly throne room and do nothing but sing to you, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Father, we crave a word from you who is the Holy One. We long for your message this morning, Father, as we sojourn as your people in this wicked land. Please, Father, would you speak to our hearts this morning. Open our ears that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. We want to be amazed at who you are and the truth that you long to teach us. So we trust now, Father, that your spirit would reside in this place, that he would fill my mouth, that he would fill our hearts, that we would see the truth and believe and obey. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In case you don't know me, I'm Matthew Nicosia. I'm a deacon here and the director of children's ministry at our church. And I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Uh, in case you're wondering, Pastor Phil and, and Mrs. Howard, they're out on vacation right now celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. I doubt they heard you. They're in Florida. <laughs> But that's all right. We're very excited that they could, they could celebrate that. Their family's there with them. And uh, they're gonna, Pastor Phil's going to be out of the pulpit for a while. But we hope that you'll be here because we believe that Phil Howard, as wonderful as he is, is not the king of this church. We have a king, a risen Savior, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is still here. His spirit is still here. His word is still here. And we long to hear the word this morning. Uh, I'm going to be kicking off a, a small series for the next three weeks from the book of Titus. So if you would please uh, open to Titus chapter 1. Book of Titus chapter 1. If you're using the Pew Bible, that's the New International Version. I'll be using the English Standard Version this morning. I apologize for the confusion, but the text will be up on the screen. Uh, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. So who's Titus? Titus is a beloved son of Paul. And I don't mean in the physical sense, I, believe, I mean in the spiritual sense. Titus was a Gentile who was converted as a result of Paul's missionary journeys. He heard the gospel. He received the gospel. He believed in the gospel that Paul preached. And he became a disciple of Jesus Christ and a disciple of Paul himself. And so on the way, uh, during his missionary journeys, Paul left Titus on the island of Crete. In case you don't know or not familiar with the geography of, of the Mediterranean, Crete is a small island. It's actually a very thin island. It's about 140 miles uh, long, and it's uh, as, as narrow as seven miles in its most narrow spot and 30 miles in its widest spot. So it's, almost, it's this long, narrow island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And so it had all kinds of influences. It had European influences. It had influence for, uh, from Asia Minor, from the Middle East. There was a large Jewish population, uh, we understand, from Acts chapter 2 that returned back to Jerusalem. They were from Crete, had a large Jewish population. It had influences of culture from, from uh, the southern continent of Africa uh, coming up to the north. And so Titus was left on the island of Crete to do a job. The people on Crete, the believers on Crete, were there to do a job. They were there on a mission. And before we get into the text this morning, I get the privilege of introducing to you what this book of Titus is all about. 
Why is it there? Why did Paul write to Titus? What was his purpose? What was the mission that Titus was on that Paul had given to him? Well, let's look at the first few verses here. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 say this. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. Paul is speaking to Titus, and he's saying, Titus, you're on this island of Crete. Well, what was Crete like? What was it like? Well, we know it was this way. Look down in verse 12 of chapter 1. It says this, Cretans, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. There's your snapshot right there. And this isn't coming from somebody, the, the, the prophet's name, uh, the, he was one of the seven great wise men of ancient Greece. His name was Epimenides. There's a good baby name for you if you're looking for one. <laughs> but he wasn't criticizing a foreign culture. He was describing his own culture. He was familiar with it. He was from Crete. And he said that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. They were so deceptive, and the culture was so characterized by lying that, in fact, it came to be known as Cretanizing. If you were to Cretanize, you were to lie and deceive. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? To Cretanize, to be known for being full of lies and deceit. Well, they're also evil beasts. Really, it's this animalistic instinct. They live for their passions. They lack self-control. This was what characterized the people and culture of Crete. They were lazy gluttons. They were probably very unhealthy, overweight. They loved to eat. They loved to drink, but they hated to do any work for it. Lazy gluttons. I don't think that I, I need to explain too much of the connections to see the parallels of our very own culture. A culture of lies that we live in culture of living with no self-control for our own earthly passions and desires as evil beasts, living as, as lazy gluttons, having this attitude of entitlement and living for ourselves. This kind of attitude is, is displayed in the kind of terminology that our young people use. YOLO, you only live once. You live for the here and now. You live for what you could get in this life and this life only, and you'll run over anybody that you need to to get it. Living as evil beasts, living as liars, living as deceivers. It's a destructive kind of life. It's an ugly kind of culture that we live in. It's full of lies. So what is God's solution for the people of Crete? What is his solution for us today? God has given us a salvation from all of the ugliness, all of the deceit, all of the animalistic type of passions that we all live with, and it's known as His gospel of grace and salvation. 
God has given us this salvation, and it gives us hope, and it gives us godliness. Look at Paul's purpose, his mission there in verse 1 of chapter 1. It says that Paul is a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Paul's entire mission, his purpose in this world, the reason he was saved, the reason he lived and breathed was so that he can proclaim a good news of salvation that could redeem people from the deceit of this world, from the ugliness of this world, to show off an amazing, beautiful Savior who is Jesus Christ. And look at the product of this beautiful salvation. Again, verse 1, it says, And knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. Oh, we need godliness so badly. The alternative is destruction and self-centeredness. But he says, I'm offering you a salvation, and its byproduct is peace and godliness. Actually being able to get along with each other. Actually being able to have households and families that get along that aren't self-destructive. It says a truth in verse 1 that accords with godliness in hope of eternal life. Hope of eternal life. Oh, we desperately need hope. There are whole industries in our culture that are built on giving people something that will try and give them hope. Trying to mask the ugliness and despair and hopelessness of this world. Drug industries, makeup industries, alcohol, drugs, there are entire industries built on trying to numb the pain, trying to disguise the ugliness and hopelessness of an ugly and filthy and destructive world, an ugly, filthy culture that the Cretans lived in and that we live in, in today. So what I want to share with you is just to let you know that this is the kind of message that Paul was giving to Titus and that Titus was giving to the churches of Crete. This was Paul's mission. This was his purpose to give them something better to give them a beautiful Savior. And so you could see that Paul was on this mission to do everything he could to give people hope, to give people a source of power that could allow them to live godly, and that comes through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the theme you're going to hear over and over again for the next three weeks, this Sunday and the next two Sundays, preached by our pastor Tim Valstrom and the following week by Pastor Larry Howard. They're going to be continuing this theme of a gospel, of a grace, of a salvation that gives people hope, that gives people a power to live godly in this present age, to give something that is the alternative to this ugly culture. You see, the book of Titus is about an attractive Christianity, an attractive Christianity, a salvation of grace by faith in a beautiful Savior that is attractive to an ugly and hopeless world. This was Paul's mission. He went all over. In fact, he told Timothy, Timothy, I've got this mission, and I'm going to give you, Timothy, the church at Ephesus. And then he comes over to Titus, and he says, Titus, I'm going to put you on Crete. We've all got the same mission, though. Paul was on mission. 
Titus was on mission, and he was given the churches of Crete and their cities a mission to live out an attractive Christianity. In 2015, in Hercules, California, God has given Valley Bible Church a mission. What is God's mission for Valley Bible Church? It's that we would show off our gracious, blessed, glorious, pure, merciful, excellent Savior Jesus Christ to an ugly and sinful world. That is your mission, Valley Bible Church. In short, our mission is to teach and to live an attractive Christianity. And, and thankfully, it's not based upon how we look, because I'd fail the test many times, right? I got a lot going on up here. Sometimes people wear sunglasses indoors just to avoid the glare off my head. <laughs> it's not talking about external attractiveness. It's talking about the attractiveness of having a hope where there is no hope that comes from Jesus Christ. It's coming from a power to live a godly life where all around you, all you see is filth and ugliness and destruction. This is the mission that God gave to Paul. This is the mission that God through Paul gave to Titus. This is the mission that God through Paul and Titus was giving to the Cretan church and that God is giving to us today. Will we go on mission in this community? Will you, do you view yourself as living on mission when you go to your job, when you go to school, when you go to the store, when you go to the salon, when you're at the gas station? Do you live with this mission? Do you see the people around you that are living hopeless lives, that are living with destructive lifestyles? Do you live in such a way to say, I want to be on mission. I want people to see that I have an excellent, a beautiful Savior, and that they see it by the way you live and by the hope that you have. Again, God's mission for Valley Bible Church is that we would show off our gracious, blessed, glorious, pure, merciful, excellent Savior, Jesus Christ, to an ugly and sinful world. We must teach and we must live an attractive Christianity. That's the book of Titus. So what's the first step? Well, that's fine, Matthew. So what do we do about it? Okay, how, how do we get there? Well, I'm excited that we're going to start this journey together for the next few weeks. Let's look at chapter 1, verses 5, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 5 through 9. Say this, this is why I left you in Crete so that you may put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may get, be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Here we see the very first step of living this attractive Christianity in an ugly, in an ugly world. We must be Valley Bible Church just as the Cretan churches must be devoted to healthy truth, 
taught by exemplary leaders. We must be devoted to healthy truth taught by exemplary leaders. Again, look at verse 5. It says, uh, Titus, I left you in Crete so that you would appoint elders. Who are these elders? It's the word presbyteros. It sounds like Presbyterian. Same sort of word. These elders had a maturity of spiritual experience. They had a character and a nature that was above reproach, it says there in verse 6. Above reproach. We, we don't use that kind of language too often. What does it mean to be above reproach? Literally, it means to be beyond blame. Beyond blame. Let me, let me first go, before we go any farther, I want you to understand this. We're not talking about perfect men. Let me say it again. We are not talking about perfect men. We are talking about people that are being transformed by the grace of God, but that transformative power is evident in their life so that no one can put them to open shame. No one can hold any blame against them. They're above reproach. They provide examples to us that we can follow. They are living out the hope and the godliness that God has provided to us through this transformative salvation, this beautiful salvation. It's almost like this. If you remember Moses, Moses when he was talking with God in the tabernacle and he would come out and it would be evident on his face that he was talking with God. He was changed. And so we could look around this room and Lord willing, we have exemplary leaders that we could look to and say, I know that they know this great God and Savior. Imperfect, but they are beyond blame, beyond accusation. It goes on to say in verse 6, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. Now here we've got a different term. First we had elder, right? That was the, the, the mark of an experience of maturity. They have mature experience. But now it, he changes the term and he says overseer. Now it's talking about the nature of their work. They have a job to do. They have a mission. Remember mission? Remember the mission that Paul had, Titus had? And now he's passing that mission on to the elders and the overseers. For an overseer as God's steward, verse 7, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. There are so many characteristics there, but the thing you must see the most is that they are living exemplary lives. They are the ones that are in charge of passing on this gospel truth of faith and knowledge. They need to be full of hope and they need to be tr being transformed by the godliness that God is producing in them. And here's the reason why. Because they set an example for us. They're not the only ones that need to be full of hope. They're not the only ones that need to be full of godliness. They're merely put before us to be set as examples for us to follow. I would hope in this room that there are men that may not have the responsibility of oversight in this church. However, they are showing the marks of maturity, the marks of mature experience. You men out there, you men out there, let me ask you,
Could these be said of you, above reproach, the husband of one wife? Are you a one-woman kind of man? With your eyes, with your thoughts, with your heart, are you devoted to one woman? How do you manage your household? It goes a long way to say, uh, tell others about the transformative power in your life. Do you measure up? Where do you fall short? And what's the reason why? What is the reason why? It's convicting to my heart. Lord, this is the calling that you've given to all of us. Because you've put me on mission. Because you've told me to show off the glorious Savior who is Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. I don't want to have a household that's in order so that people would come by and pat me on the back and say, hey, Matthew, you're doing a good job. I want people to see a household that I oversee that is godly and hopeful so that I could say, that's because I know a beautiful Savior. That's the kind of mission that we're on. Those are the kinds of exemplary leaders that will lead us on this mission in our community, in our culture, to show off the great goodness of our God and Savior. So that's their character. They're not violent, not greedy for great gain. They're hospitable. They love what's good. They don't just talk about what's good, but they love what's good. And they're self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Verse 9 goes on to say this. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Remember, the very first step of being a church that's on mission is that we must devote ourselves to the healthy truth taught by exemplary leaders. So we've seen the exemplary leaders. Why do they need to live exemplary lives? Verse 9, because they must teach and instruct in sound doctrine. They must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. So we might ask ourselves, well, gee, that gives a whole lot of authority then to the elders, doesn't it? Well, it does. But does that authority originate with them? Follow along with me. Look at what it says in verse 9. He, an overseer, an elder, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. You see, there was a message. There was a, a gospel. There was a truth that was being taught. We've already talked about that. Paul was taught it by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, direct revelation he received as an apostle. He passed it on to Titus. Titus then was to pass it on to the elders of the churches of Crete, you see, what we've got here with elders who are teaching, overseers who teach us the trustworthy word is a legacy of truth that has its roots all the way back to Jesus Christ himself. So when we talk about hearing what our elders have to say, when we listen to the teaching that the elders oversee in our church, we're not talking about truth that they're coming up with on their own. We're not talking about the opinions of men. We're talking about the truth of God that's been passed down through the pastors, through the apostles, all the way back to Jesus Christ himself, so that when we've got God's word and we hear it, we hear this trustworthy word is taught, we can have assurance that it comes from the very mouth of God. 
That's why it is so important that we, as we sit in our pews, that we be like the Bereans who examine the Scriptures. Is this elder teaching the Word of God? Verse 9 again, he must hold firm. Literally, it's to cling. Cling. And I love our elders here at our church so much. I'm not trying to put them up on a pedestal today, but I just want you to show that these are the building blocks for a church on mission. It starts with leadership. They cling to the trustworthy word as taught. And then as a body, let's ask ourselves this question. Are we clinging to that same truth? As we see them as models clinging to the truth, the trustworthy word, do we in turn cling to this truth? Here's why. Verse 9, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That is the mission of the elders in Crete. That is the mission of the elders and leadership of Valley Bible Church. They cling to the trustworthy word and they give us instruction. That word is to exhort and it's to encourage. That's what they do in our Bible studies. That's what they're to do from this pulpit. That's what they're to do when they hand you a book. That's what they're to do when they put their arm around you in counseling. When your heart is broken, they encourage you. They give you instruction from this word that they cling to. That's the hope that we have. It's the trustworthy word. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13? Hebrews chapter 13 says this, verse 7, Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Our leaders, elders, overseers, and you dads as the leader of your home, the elder of your home, the overseer of your home, You are to speak the word of God. And as a church, we're to consider our elders' way of life and imitate their faith. Do you, dads and husbands at home, do you live a kind of life that the people who are following you, your wife and children, want to imitate? This is the call for every leader, whether in the home or in the church. Remember your leaders. Consider the the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The first step of being a church on mission is to devote ourselves to the healthy truth taught by exemplary leaders. Turn over, if you would, to verse 17 of Hebrews 13. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let me ask you a question. Do you make it a joy for our elders to lead you? Have you ever, you ever seen somebody taking a, a large dog for a walk <laughs> that maybe hasn't been trained? And it's, I mean, they're pulling them, right? And it's hard, and they're trying to tug back. And it's, it's, you could tell this person's taking this dog for a walk, but they're counting down the seconds. When can I get this dog back to my yard so that I don't have to do this any longer? Because it's difficult. It's not a joy. It's a pain to take this dog for a walk. But then you've seen other dogs, and they almost don't need a leash. They're so easy to manage, so easy to oversee. Are you easy to oversee? 
Are you easy to manage? Do you listen to the word that they're teaching you? Remember, if they're clinging to this word, it's not their own word. It's the word of God. Why would you buck at that? Why would you resist the word of God? Well, the mission of Valley Bible Church is that we're to live and to teach an attractive Christianity to an ugly and deceptive culture. And the first step that we do that is to devote ourselves to the healthy truth taught by exemplary leaders. Again, look at verse 9. It says that he must hold to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. This is the most important gem, the most important treasure that we have as the church. Sound doctrine doctrine. If you're getting hung up over those words sound and doctrine, think of it this way. It's healthy teaching. It's truth that is healthy as opposed to lies that are ugly and harmful and hurtful. Our ears need to be attentive. First, we have the exemplary leaders, but then our job is to listen and to pay attention to the healthy, sound doctrine. Healthy truth that heals our souls, that forgives our sins, that breaks the power of sin and death in our lives, that gives us hope beyond this life. You see, any hope that you want, it first starts by understanding the truth of sound or healthy doctrine or teaching. Do you commit yourself to listen to healthy truth? If you want to be on mission in this community, maybe you felt defeated. Maybe as you go out to the workplace, you've just been thinking to yourself, I just have no power. I have no hope to offer anybody at my job. Oh, I pray that you would come and listen to some healthy teaching. Feed your soul so that it would transform your life and give you hope so that others can see the beauty and the grace of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It comes through healthy teaching. That's the theme of Titus. Healthy, attractive Christianity that is communicated through sound doctrine, through healthy teaching. What is the alternative? What's the alternative? Verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. Titus 1.11. They must be silenced since they are upsetting or really ruining or overturning whole families by teaching for shameful or base or earthly gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke. Literally, it's cut them with correction. Give cutting correction. Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away to, from the truth. Verse 15, to the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Here's the alternative, Valley Bible Church. If we do not open our ears to healthy teaching taught by exemplary leaders, 
The alternative is that we will listen to the lies of charlatans. We will listen to the deceptions of deceivers who will give us ugly truth. And do you know why they do it? They do it for their own personal shameful gain. That's what's at stake. Verse 10 says that these talkers are insubordinate, these false teachers. They're insubordinate, they're rebellious, they're unruly. They don't listen to God, they create their own message. Their their talk is empty, it's vain, it's vain talk. It doesn't offer any hope. It's only for the here and it's only for the now. They're trying to come up with their own and conjure up their own ideas of what they could tell somebody, but in the end it's empty talk. They're deceptive. They're lying. They're lying to you, church. They're focused on temporary wealth. How many of you heard those that come under the guise of the Scriptures, those who come under the guise of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the end, their focus is temporary, earthly wealth. These false teachers are also characterized by the myths that they teach that is contrary to the truth. If you don't have the truth, what do you have? A myth. That's all you've got is a myth. And finally, a characteristic of these false teachers is that their works reveal their true character. Reveals their true character. Ultimately, these false teachers, through their self-reliant truth, which really is no truth, through their self-reliant myths and their self-centered myths, instead of giving us hope and godliness, they give us hopelessness and destructive ungodliness. That's the alternative. What kind of teaching will we listen to? Will we listen to a healthy kind of teaching or will we listen to the ugly lies of the world? If we want to have our mission destroyed in this community, let's start listening to the lies of deceivers the ugly lies, the ugly myths of deceivers. Well, you may say, well, Matthew, you know, not everything that they say is wrong. Uh, sometimes I'm just out there, I'm just looking for nuggets of truth. Yeah, I know that their philosophies are a little bit off. I'm just looking for nuggets of truth. Well, let me tell you this, even a blind squirrel every now and then finds a nut, don't they? But in the end, that squirrel is not going to lead you to the tree. It's not going to lead you to life. It's not going to lead you to any refuge in that time of cold and winter and storm. We need those that are teaching us truth that could give us life, that could give us hope, that could teach us the power of God that's designed for us, that could free us from our sinful habits, free us from our earthly passions, and give us a hope that goes beyond this life. Paul was telling Titus, Titus, I want you to establish a church on Crete that's living on mission. And the first step to living on mission was that they were committed to the teaching of exemplary leaders, the healthy teaching. 1 Timothy 1, 3, 11 talks about this sound doctrine of a glorious gospel. Do you have a truth that you're holding on to that's glorious or is it full of lies and deceit and filthiness? 1 Timothy 6 says that he's talking about a doctrine that accords with godliness. If you want to know if a teacher is teaching you something that's true, does it accord with godliness? Does it motivate you to want to obey the commands of God? There are counselors out there that don't believe this holy truth. 
They may give you bad advice. It may sound like wisdom, but it doesn't accord with godliness. What kind of counsel will you listen to? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 say that we go through, that there will be those in the end times that will not listen to teaching, but they'll want teaching that appeals to their passions, suit their own passions. What kind of teaching are we listening to? Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 say this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There's your mission right there. He's given us leaders to put us on mission. It's the first step. Goes on to say in verse 12, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Church, if you want to be on mission, listen to the truth the healthy truth of the scriptures taught by exemplary leaders. I have a couple questions for you, church. Whose voice are you listening to? What kind of teaching and instruction are you devoted to? You know, it discourages me because I know many times when I'm feeling down, I start looking for hope. I start listening to the voices that I hear on TV. I start reading and listening to the voices that I see on social media. I start listening to the voices and, and what I read in, in blogs and, and hear on the news and what I might hear my friends say that doesn't know Christ or start listening to the voices of this world. Sometimes I listen to even my own heart that deceives me. What are the voices that you listen to, church? What are you in this pew listening to? Well, I'm glad you're here today. I hope you're hearing the word of God, but oh, if we're, if we're on mission, our ears need to be attuned to that healthy, sound doctrine that's taught by exemplary leaders. If you've been like me and you've been listening to those lies for a while and you go through those scenes of life where your mind is getting tricked, you're following those blind squirrels, <laughs> you find yourself hopeless and you find yourself totally unmotivated to live for God. Maybe that's you today, sitting in the pew. I, I don't feel like I've got a lot of hope in my situation. I don't feel a motivation. My heart's cold to godliness. I would tell you that the, the start of revival in your heart is to commit yourself to healthy teaching. Commit yourself to listen and obey sound doctrine taught by exemplary leaders. Remember, this is a truth that accords with godliness and it gives hope of eternal life. You see, these leaders, those who teach the word, they're not doing a, this to, to put us under bondage. It's to give you hope. It's to connect you with the source of power that will steer you away from destructive lifestyles and give you a power that will teach you godliness. Whom do you turn to for truth? 
Whose voice will you listen to? Again, the first step of living on mission for Valley Bible Church is to devote ourselves to healthy truth taught by exemplary leaders. And if we begin to do that, we'll be on the first steps of fulfilling God's mission for us that we would show off our gracious, blessed, glorious, pure, merciful, excellent Savior Jesus Christ to an ugly and sinful world. Church, I ask you, are you committed to hearing and obeying healthy truth? Or are you listening to the ugly lies of the world? And finally, in closing, I want to ask some of you out there, maybe, maybe this is your first time with us. Maybe you've only been coming for a short while. But maybe Valley Bible Church, coming through these doors, coming into any church at all, is just another way to try and find a band-aid for your broken life. Maybe it's trying to find an ointment that will just numb the pain a little bit. Maybe you're, you're looking for an anecdote or something that will just give you a little hope to get through the week. You've been searching through all kinds of religions. You've been searching from the advice of psychologists and psychiatrists who only can give you a temporary solution to your problem. Maybe you're looking and you're searching and coming to church is just another grasp at the air to try and find just a temporary solution to your plight. Let me tell you this, what we offer to you here, the mission of Valley Bible Church isn't to provide you with another solution to your hopelessness, another solution to your godlessness. What it is, is the solution. It is the salvation. It is the hope. It is the only healthy truth in all of this world that you can embrace. Oh friend, in the pew today, would you see and understand that we're not giving you just another piece of advice. We're not just giving you another suggestion. We are giving you the salvation and grace of God that will produce an eternal hope in you, that will produce a power in you that will transform your life from the destructive habits that you are enslaved to and give you a power that will set you free. We agree with our Lord that says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen. Dear friends, we need to be a church that's on mission. We need to be a church that is displaying the attractive Jesus Christ. We need to live and teach in a way that shows off His beauty, His majesty. And the first step in doing that is to commit ourselves to healthy truth taught by exemplary leaders. And you in the pulpit, maybe you've never come to the place where you've believed that there is any absolute truth. What I offer you today, what God offers you today, is the truth of Jesus Christ that can produce an eternal spring of hope and an eternal power source to set you free from your ungodly habits. Oh, would you come to him today? Come to him today and find for the first time a truth that will heal you the way no other myth can. Let's bow our heads. Father, we want to be a church that's on mission. We want to live for something that is beyond just the here and now. 
we want to be connected to a source of power that teaches us to renounce ungodliness, teaches us to break the cycles of destructive habits in our hearts and minds and in our families. Father, there's some of us that grew up in dysfunctional homes and we feel like there's nothing that can break the cycle of dysfunction in my family tree. The only heritage I have to leave off is just destruction and dysfunction. But oh, Father, we thank you that you've given us a salvation that gives us hope. We thank you that you've given us a salvation that gives us a power to live godly in this wicked age. Oh, Father, I pray that you would convict all of our hearts, that Valley Bible Church would be a group and a community of people that lives on mission, a mission to show off the great and glorious Savior who's Jesus Christ. Teach us to be committed to the healthy doctrine that you've given to us that's taught by exemplary leaders. And, oh, Father, for the one that's sitting out there today that has never come to receive not a myth but the truth about who Jesus Christ is, about the godliness that he could produce and the hope that he offers through the salvation that he purchased on the cross. I pray that you would convict their hearts, bring them forward to speak with one of us that we could show them the way to have hope, the way to have power over our godless habits. We love you. I pray that you would teach us to be on mission, to show off the great and glorious Savior, who's Jesus Christ, to an ugly world. We thank you for this time and for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.